Okay, folks, welcome back to another episode of Texas Tap Rooms. I'm your host, Murph. We're here today at Project Halo Brewing with Steve and Melissa. Welcome, Steve and Melissa. Hey. Hey, what's up? So, look, uh, huge thanks for having us. Um, and I'd like to mention uh, that, firstly, you're a, a veteran, a Special Forces veteran. That's right. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, is that kind of the inspiration around the, the name? I would say it's about 1% of the inspiration of the whole thing, mainly because Halo is, you know, it means high altitude, low opening. It's a form of infiltration for uh, special forces teams, but it's just Halo is a really cool word and it's kind of too cool not to use. But the brewery is all about Melissa. So Melissa's the, the head brewer. Uh, she makes all the magic happen. And I'm just here to clean the floors and clean the bathrooms and drink the beer. So. I did read that on the website that you're a chief janitor or head janitor or something right. like that. And uh, Melissa makes all the all the magic happen, right? That's right. Yeah. You know, it's it's. I guess that's very similar to um, going going off on on different deployments around the world. There's somebody there's somebody still at home having to man the fort, and and that's probably the case here where um, Melissa's holding everything down. Yeah, 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 that's that's right. Let me let me ask you about that, um, Melissa. So when did you get in? You're the head brewer here, right? Yes. Like, when did you get into brewing? Like, why? Like, how'd you start? Because I got to say, you know, if if you ask, I would say, 100 people, if this was on, what's that show, Family Feud? Yeah. If, if you surveyed 100 people and asked them about who a head brewer is, it's very rare that they might say it's a woman, right? And I'm going to say that's fairly unique. Would I be wrong in saying that? Uh, no, no, you're not. Uh, so, so what got you into it? Like, what, what made you want to start brewing? Just uh, falling in love with craft beer. We lived in Washington State for a few years, and um, that's where we fell in love with craft beer. Uh, we ended up going to a nano brewery called uh, Cascading. Yeah, it's Cascading Homebrewing. Cascading Homebrewing, and so we did a one-on-one session with the brewer there. He taught us how to brew. Well, we did one one brew with him, uh, and it was fun. It was it came out good, and so from there, kept it going in the garage. You know, I was going to say most people that I've talked to that own a brewery or have started a brewery have started in their garage, right? And I'm assuming you guys are no different then. Well, yeah, exactly. So the cool thing about Cascading Homebrew is, you know, they did all the cleaning. So that was like a big sell on this class, right? So we saw it. We were like walking around downtown Olympia and we saw this new homebrew place open up and had that thing that said like a poster like, oh, yeah. Come and do your own brew for a class for a nominal fee of, I don't remember how much it was, but it seemed reasonable. Mm-hmm. And we went and it was like on this cool pilot system and it was like extra special because we were just doing all the fun stuff, like just checking gravity and like throwing hops in. And we're like, man, brewing is awesome, man. We should just brew all the time. You know, it's so easy. Yeah. And he helped us write the recipe. So he asked us what kind of hops we liked. So we added his favorite hop, my favorite hop, and it came out delicious. So... I was like, oh, we got this. <laughs> yeah, super easy. Yeah. Is, that, is that until you realize there's a lot of cleaning and brewing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's still fun, but it's not, you know, that easy. It's a lot of work. Yeah, the glamour of brewing, it all sounds great when you get to make beer and you get to drink beer and you get to, uh, you know, um, share it with your friends and enjoy it yeah. until you realize the stuff, the hard work behind the, the scenes that it takes to craft such a special recipe, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so yeah, she works really hard and all that stuff, and 
you know, it really shows in their beers and you've got the whole flight board there, our, our uh, flight palette, if you will. Um, definitely uh, something that she takes very serious and does very well. And I get to reap all the benefits of being here and drinking as, as much of this good beer as I can. So. That's good. <laughs> quality control. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every, every process needs a quality control guy. Yes. Um, I read on the website that you, um, you studied this at um, – Texas A&M, is that correct? Yes, yes. So I, uh, before we actually opened the brewery or decided to actually open a brewery, I did take a uh, professional brewing and fermentation course. And, uh, you know, just to make sure that it was something I wanted to do professionally because it was just a hobby. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed it. learned a lot. There's so much more to to beer. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm a trained engineer. Uh, and now what does that mean? Um, I went to school to be an engineer, but everything I learned to this point in my career and how to do my job, I didn't learn in school. So how much learning have you had to do outside of Texas A&M school, uh, you know, the let's call it the school of hard knocks? What have you had to learn right here, either at home, in the in the garage, or right here at Project Halo? Uh, short answer, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. It is. It always is a lot more than what you get at school. Yeah, but a lot um, makes sense doing it. And, you know, after I learned about it and actually doing it, it's like, it makes sense. Like, oh, this is why this has to be done this way. Yeah, right. especially in your own, like, microenvironment, right? Like, every brewery is different. So one thing that may work for a different brewery may work differently here just mm-hmm. because of the layout and all that stuff. So um, school will give you the, you know, 5,000 feet, if you will, but once you get here, it, it's definitely, it's interesting. She learns stuff all the time, and I learn stuff just watching her. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have done that, but she's doing it, and it works well, so I'm going to start doing it that way, right? So, right. Yeah, now, is a high, is a 5,000 foot, is 5,000 foot, is that high altitude, or is that low opening? I, <laughs> that's I, definitely low opening. That's yeah. low opening, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I guess, um, I guess almost like a um, a high altitude, low opening jump. You have that parachute to save you. Do you have any parachutes here at you know in the brewery business? Is there any? I mean, because we, because you you guys you guys are fairly new, yes. right? And so uh, a, a few people we've talked to already. You know, they had to they had to struggle through COVID, and uh, like any business, like anybody in you know, had to go through that time. Um, you guys kind of opened after COVID, right? Yes. And so you, I'm sure not everything got, um, you didn't just all of a sudden come in and open your business. There was a lot of planning. There was a lot of upfront work and, and you had to go through that time of COVID. Did you have any parachute during that time? I, I guess the parachute that we did have was, you know, time and space, right? So just like you said, we were planning on, on building out the business plan for this since 2019 kind of refining all the kinks, but then going into COVID and kind of everybody around the world kind of being in the same boat, we had a lot of time to think about what we were seeing in real time, right? So uh, a lot of breweries having to pivot to, to go only, seeing legislature pass uh, that allows breweries to sell to go when that wasn't the case prior to was, was also interesting. So all of that stuff kind of threw kinks into our business plan in a positive way. Um, we had to delay our opening, but you know, for whatever case that may be, it, it ended up working out for us. Unfortunately for us, inflation hit us about halfway through our build out. So that was definitely tough. So I guess, you know, to, to kind of go along with the parachute, uh, 
kind of analogy there. Um, we definitely had to open up our second parachute just because inflation really chipped away at our budget. So our, our facilities is about half the size that we would have liked for it to have been. But uh, we were originally planning on having a kitchen. Uh, we wanted to have our own organic kitchen here with a little bit bigger facility, same size brew system and all that. But uh, we played it safe and um, kind of reduced some of that overhead initial startup cost just because um, that's kind of what's chipping away at a lot of the brewing industry right now. A lot of people are, are falling victims to, to that rising cost. And uh, we tried to, to plan for that ahead of time. And, you know, we're doing what we can to, to continue that going forward to make sure we're still here, you know, in, in 10 years or 20 years. So. Yeah. And what we, when we were planning opening, I mean, it got delayed a few times. Uh, we were planning May. Like, that was going to be the latest to, to open. And uh, our equipment was delayed because of COVID shutdowns. Um, so our parachute there was we ended up buying a small one-barrel system, and that's how we ended up opening our soft opening back in August. Um, but then their equipment got here, and we did our, our uh, grand opening in October. Uh, so, I mean, you've been powering it through. Yeah, definitely. Uh, pilot batch saved, uh, saved our lives for sure, and um, she was working really hard on, on getting the, the beers on tap with that and then simultaneously installing our big system that you see behind us here. And that was definitely long 18-hour days for about four weeks. And it's just her and I. You're looking at the whole team here. So, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely have had help from family and friends. So definitely shout out to all of them. But, you know, it's definitely the main effort is here right in front of you. So when we talk about all the plumbing that you see in the bag, like all loop, Everything that you see back there was done by their Melissa. Myself, so. <laughs> well, that's cool. I mean, it looks it looks like a great little uh, a little brewery here, and you, and you got a lot of stuff in here. I mean, you you've you've used your space, uh, you know for sure. The um, and and then you know, I'm not a brewer, but I would imagine that the smaller pilot system that you had mentioned, while it probably doesn't serve well in a you know for creating larger batches it, it probably does give you a good opportunity to create some different flavor profiles and, and test batches does it yeah yeah that's true and just for our opening you know not knowing our audience or our customers that we got to get a feel of what people like around here or what people like what we like what yeah yeah it's also like you know we have our own ideas of what as a brewery we want to be uh, being a lager forward and American IPA forward brewery is, is if we had to label ourselves is what we would label. Obviously there are plenty of ales, uh, on our menu now, not that we dislike ales by any means, but, um, we wanted to just kind of sprinkle what we like on the board and see if our friends here in Folger like it as well. And if they do, we'll keep it on the board. And if not, then we'll just continue to cycle through the other things that we like and then see what kind of resonates with the local audience. But at the same time, um, outside of those core beers, having seasonal stuff so we can rotate out and kind of have something new, something to look forward to, and then something that's exciting for Melissa to make as well. Like right now, she's got this uh, number 16 you see on the menu. It's not on your flight board there, but it's uh, our Piñata Party Pilsner, which is our flagship core Pilsner. And it's this is a variant one-off keg that's a passion fruit, orange, and guava. Uh, we don't tend to advertise those or market those at all on social media. It's just you just reap the benefits of that if you come to the tap room and you just kind of stumble on it here and you know, you just enjoy it, and that's the way that goes. You know? So you're not going to experience those unless you you venture out and come visit this place, right? That's right. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's one of the uh, gems, one of the benefits you're going to get when yep. you, when you come here. You, you might be, hey, you might just be surprised by something, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yep. 
So we're going to talk about full share, and we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit. Um, I, I want to ask you another question, though, about Texas A&M. When you go out to that, and I, I don't know what it's called. Is it, a, is it a brewery school? Is it a degree program? Like, what is it? Um, it was a, um, it's a, a uh, extra, what is it called? It's, it's a just, certificate program. Yeah, it's a certificate okay. program, like, extra, like, separate studies to, like, the main stuff, right? They have, like, schools for just kind of getting, like, program certificates. That's kind of how yeah, that and over. because it was during COVID, it was online. So oh, it was all remote. Do, you know, okay. Do they teach you about business in, in that, or is it just about brewing? Um, It's just about brewing. Okay. Just, yeah. So who's got the business background? Has anybody got a business background here? Anybody? So, um, no. No it's one has background, a business but background, but Steve takes care of all that. Okay. Um, you know, on top of his janitorial duties. Yeah. He does <laughs> no, I, I did take, um, so the University of Vermont also has a craft uh, brewery business kind of school, same same thing, you know, continuing studies type deal. Um, so I did take their accounting and financing course and then social media marketing course and a couple other, you know, business-centric courses that have helped, you know, get give me a, a good fundamental understanding of, of what right looks like. But we're very much just doing this ourselves. And we have some, some help here and there from uh, some entities that, that we know and some friends, but um, everything, like we said, is in-house and managed by us so to include distribution and and social media all of the the labels get designed in-house as well so school of hard knocks i like it um the labels are pretty creative i like the logo i, I mean i like the different logo the um the labels that i see around here who's doing that is kind of a combination that's right yeah it's a combination of all of us so our, our son helps us out because he's uh he's basically a graphic design guru um, he's going to a school where they train him in all that Adobe stuff and he's got illustrator certification. He's got his Photoshop certification. So um, we'll sit together and, and kind of think about what we want the label to look like. And he's got the knowledge and skills, the technical skills to manipulate this, you know, the software to make it happen. Um, so it's, it's kind of a collaborative effort, if you will. Well, that's good. I might have to use him uh, down the road, yeah, you know, sure. because yeah. uh, we're, you know, I'm going to need some, um, some artistry and, and some illustration done down the road. So, I'll probably have to hit you up, uh, you know, get get in contact with him. Yeah, you know where we're at yeah. in Fulcher. So. Let me uh, let me ask you about, uh, I mean, I know you're new. You said, I thought you said soft opening in August yes. and then a grand opening in, did I say, did I hear October? October? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what startup nightmares did you have? Like what, what, were, you, what, what were you sweating <laughs> at night thinking about or? Or later that day is like, oh man, we forgot about this, or I didn't think about that, or well, what are some of those startup nightmares? Um, I'll let Melissa go first. <laughs> and, and not just nightmares, but we're going to talk about the successes too. But just give, give me one or two of each. Ah, oh my goodness, there's so many. Um, you know, just having a lot more people drink my beer, taste my beer. Like, or is anybody going to like it? Is it going to taste bad or or just anything that could go wrong there um i guess just internal nightmares there <laughs> well my last name is murphy so you know it's murphy's law that anything that uh can go wrong will go wrong right so i'd imagine that's the same with the startup as well it's funny yeah. you say that because so yes, we felt really good about all the time and love that we gave to everything here for opening day um, but of course like you said you know Murphy always wants to play. That's so, right. <laughs> of course, opening day, we had it, you know, 
a freak storm come through. So it was just pouring like all morning. It was insane. Like it started kind of like flooding a little bit, like outside in the parking lot. And, you know, to kind of relieve some of that stress of the rain, thinking like, oh, our, our soft opening is going to get rained out. I started doing some last minute touches here in oh, the tab room. But before that, we had leaks in our roof. So we had to put buckets out. And both my sister and her brother were, I mean, his brother were here helping us. And um, and so my sister was like, you know what rain means? It means good luck. So I was like, okay, okay. You know, That's true, it's yeah. just rain. Fine. Well, it's fine. I forgot about the buckets. But yeah, the buckets were definitely uh, <laughs> going to be needed. So um, I don't know if you see up there, we've got our merch hanging up there. And we've got t-shirts hanging up. And there's a white panel behind the top row of t-shirts. So... I was hanging up that merch last minute because I had a different setup and I didn't like it. My LCD a few was hours kind of before opening was pinging. It was about one thirty yeah. when I decided that was a good idea. So I've been drilling in these walls for a year, and I decided to, to drill into this one. I bet you hit. I bet you hit an electrical line or something. I definitely hit a line, and it was uh, the main water line that controls oh, no. all the water to the bar and the dishwasher and everything, and it just exploded. Like it, the drill went flying. The whole tap room was flooded. It actually soaked up our point of sale as well. Really? And we were just like <laughs> scrambling. So I just drove down the ace and got like, you know, a shark bite and then cut the piece out and put it back together. But I didn't have a chance to actually check the point of sale to make sure it was completely dry. So the first customer came in while we were still cleaning like 40 minutes prior. And I can't remember who it was, but they sat down and were drinking a beer like, oh, you guys hit a pipe, huh? And we were like, yeah, yeah. So... He leaves and he checks out, and the first guy checks out fine normally. So we're like, okay, phew, we dodged one on that one. And then the, the people started showing up, and the point of sale is like the first guy goes in and puts his card in and it doesn't work. It's like the screen to death, and he pulls it out, and like a bunch of water squirts out of like the, the little chip <laughs> reader. And we're like, oh, that's not good. So, yeah, so then we, we kind of pivoted to doing like the little square chip deal after my brother sped down to Best Buy. But Sorry, before that, shipping. was we were writing everything down. Cause yeah. We weren't sure how long he was going to yeah. take or just didn't know. And and our, our fan unit in our walk-in cooler had broken because the guys <laughs> that we were installing know. it installed it backwards because we didn't know, right? So we basically had a breakout as well. So our, our beer was foamy for like the first weekend and we had some guys come and fix it after that. But Yeah, we yeah. thought it was the beer line, something they did wrong uh, until, which is something we didn't even think about checking the fans. It was a fan unit. It wasn't really working properly. Uh, so that's why all the beers were foamy. So all the beers were foamy. The POS wasn't working. Uh, it was raining still pretty hard. We had a line of people. It was packed in here. So yeah. it was... <laughs> so yeah. So thanks to everyone that tolerated the first day in our shenanigans. Oh, yes. Yeah, but we survived that. You know, and, and so that that's... Um, I mean, that's, that's startup business, right? And uh, you think you're planned. Uh, you think you're ready. Till you get into it, and then the shit just hits the fan, and um, hey, you deal with it, right? I mean, and and that's and that's where you build your successes. So, so what about your successes? Uh, I mean, apart from getting through day one, getting through grand <laughs> opening, which we're going to call it a success yes. in in the face of you know all those things that are uh, biting at your heels to try to knock you down. Um, what what other successes? Uh, are worth worth noting so i'll i'll just give kudos to melissa she has been able to adapt very well to all the kinks that have come our way um she was brewing her butt off with the pilot system as well uh still putting out really good beer 
keeping the, the faucets flowing when people were coming in and she was gaining some traction. Um, so that was super cool to see, see her kind of just get her, get her hands dirty in that aspect and just working really hard at that and not really complaining about the long days that we're grinding out. And I, I just think, you know, just having people come back and, and tell Melissa that her beer is their favorite now and all that good stuff, I think it's a huge success for her and for the, the brewery as a whole, right? So that's definitely a, a massive success. I would say it's number one. And then uh, number two is just, you know, getting the, the recognizability of the brewery across Houston, even though we're like in Fulcher, right? So Fulcher is, you know, a long stretch from city center, but still the name, you know, is gaining some traction in the area and people are looking for the beer and now they're able to find it at different craft beer spots in Houston because we started our self-distro and, you know, we have the ability to, to cherry pick some spots where we want to be. And if they like the beer, that's cool. And they put us on and, you know, we appreciate that. So Yeah. No, that's good. And this is, I mean, this is the point of this podcast as well is, is to try to get exposure to uh, breweries all across Texas, you know, not just the ones that are in the city, the ones that are out in the country as well. But that's a good segue into where we're located. And, um, you know, we're in full sure it's full sure for it's for the most part, you know, the first two episodes we were in downtown, not, not downtown, but midtown and, and the Heights, Houston. I live in the burbs, just like you guys. Um, so it's not really my forte to be speaking about those areas, but now I do know this area, right? Cause this is out, out in the country, out in the burbs. Uh, full sure, not so much the burbs yet, but it's growing. Um, I looked, at, I think it was 2020 or 2021. Fulcher experienced like a growth uh, in population by like 1,200%, one of the fastest growing cities in America. Um, why did you guys pick Fulcher? Why here? Do you want the uh, short answer or the long one? <laughs> let's, let's go with whichever one you're comfortable with. I guess we're just lazy people and they don't want to have a long commute. <laughs> I would say that's probably the... Say lazy. <laughs> don't want to spend, you know, more than 10 minutes in a car. You know, I, so, let, me, let me jump in there. Um, I, I started in the oil field um, back in 2020, uh, sorry, 2000. So 20, uh, what is that? Almost 23 years ago now. My first job, I was five minutes away from uh, where I worked, right? And I thought, great, you know, you don't have to get up at five in the morning, get to work, right? Even though I was getting up at five in the morning because it was oil field work and we went all hours. But I was five minutes away from the shop and it was great, right? And then I, then I got relocated just like, you know, oil field is almost like the military in terms of moving places. I've moved seven times. And, you know, the first move, then I was 15 minutes away from work. And then the next move, I was like 30 minutes away from, from work. And then it was like 45. And then it was an hour. And then I ended up here in Houston. And sometimes it takes me an hour and a half just to get to work. And so I get it. I get it that, you you know, if, if I was going to start up my own um, brick and mortar business, I'd be parking it right next to my home somewhere, you know, five minutes away. So I certainly get it. And it's not laziness necessarily. Yeah, no. It's, it's convenience and it's, uh, <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying for sure. Yeah, no, that's the, that's the kind of the answer we tell people in a nutshell. But realistically, um, when we did our risk analysis of the area in the market, um, there's very much a brewery desert out here, right? So um, we've always been patrons of Growler Spot. So shout out to Josh and the Growler Spot crew um, here in Fulcher. They've been around for eight years. They just had their eighth year anniversary as well. So, um, the Growler spot. spot is that the one up on uh, 1463? It's on 1093. Oh, 10, so 10, it's 10, on 1093 okay. here by the uh, Dollar General in Fulcher. So, okay. City of Fulcher. 
Um, but as far as like a, a brewery destination area, um, there's very much a desert on this side. You've got our friends down in Richmond, Running Walker and Fullbrook. And then up the street here in Brookshire, you have Baba Brew House. And then you have No Label in Katy, right? So um, all great breweries in the area, but still about 20 to 25 minutes from the area where we're at currently. Uh, well, except for Baba's right up the road, right? So no, I, I, I haven't been to Baba, but I know I know who, uh, that's uh, Marcus, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can catch him today. So Mark, Marcus today. and I worked at the same company. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. so um, I've, I've reached out to Marcus, and i gotta, I got to reach out to him again just to, you know, hook him up. Um, but I do, I've gone to, um, is it Running Walker, or is it, yep. it's, it's, Bra- a, it's, it's Brahman, Brahman Brewery, right? Yeah, Brahman Winery mm-hmm. and Running Walker Brewery, they're co-located in the same area. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're two separate entities. Yeah, but, so, but your point is valid. They're all here, like, technically, they're all out here in the Richmond, Katy, Fulcher area. But they're still a decent distance away from each other versus, you know, like if you if you get into the to the middle of Houston, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially like you get in Houston and you can get like five or six breweries within a five minute drive, right? Well, that's not really the case out west, but uh we, we definitely identified this area as having uh a need for one. And just to kind of go back to that, we wanted to drive really close to work. So mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, this uh I've I've traveled up this road 359 FM 359. I used to ride bikes out here actually, and um, it's been a while since I've been here. All this area is brand new. Uh, I've never seen these buildings here before, so this must have all been constructed within the last, I'd say, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so you don't have a whole lot of um, uh, residential around you. I'm going to say yet. Like I said, the population of Fulshers. It's growing like crazy. Um, I'm sure you're going to have neighbors here now anytime soon. But you are just like a few minutes removed from the the, the town of Fulcher itself, right? Just a few minutes away? Yeah, so I north? guess when you, when you say like the two minutes like across the street and stuff like that, yeah, we don't have anyone here outside of the, the cool people that down Rogers Road and their, their <laughs> lovely homes, ranch estates. Um, but we do have, you know, Polo Ranch. We have Van Brook, which are neighborhoods that are within three, four, five minutes. And then we have, you know, Western Lakes as well, Simonton. Uh, you know, a lot of big population centers in the area that are within, you know, five to ten minute drive currently. But we'll have a lot more once Cross Creek West goes up. And then we have Pecan Ridge going up as well. Del Webb is already live and, and just kind of filling up as well. So um, I think there, there are some expectations there to have, you know, I won't put a number on it, but definitely a four-figure number of uh, homes coming into the area in the next year or so. So, this place is booming. I'm, like Fulcher itself, uh, the whole Katy area, like it's it's exploding out out more west. You know, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So, you'll be inundated here soon enough. Well, yeah, it's because I think people are starting to realize how cool it is. Out here, so. <laughs> That's right. Um. What uh, let me ask you about your your uh, military background in terms of training? Yeah. Did any of the training, you know, to be a special forces guy, you have to go through lots of training. Yeah. Did any of that? Is there any, let's say, uh, any anything that you went through in that training that prepared you to run a brewery and run your own business? Definitely. Um, you know, as weird as it may sound, but just having all those soft skills that they teach you, going to kind of the pipeline and the course and just OJT style stuff like. You know, adaptability, you know, remaining calm under pressure and that kind of stuff, that all paid huge dividends when, for example, I was drilling a hole into a pipe and, you know, soaking my point of sale and stuff like that. But 
uh, for the most part, you know, you know, that training is what it was and, you know, it's made me who I am now, but it, it doesn't define me or I think a lot of those attributes are just kind of like, we want this business to succeed. So we're going to make sure that it does because this is our baby. You know, this is our passion project and our little baby. And we're going to ensure that it succeeds by whatever means we have available to us and resources. Right. So, um, so there is some, some, uh, overlap there. Not much though. I mean, as far as like cleaning floors and stuff, that definitely <laughs> came in handy for sure. But. Um, that's, uh, that's very interesting. And the biggest thing I, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. My, my wife always says to me that, you know, why don't you get, you know, not necessarily upset, but like, how come you, how can you say, stay so calm? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what is, what is getting upset to, right? It, do, it doesn't move you forward, right? So, yeah. uh, you got a mission in front of you and you just got to get it done, right? Yeah. You just got to listen to the commander. So whenever the commander right. Melissa starts giving <laughs> orders, you know, yeah. got to execute. Let's talk about your atmosphere here. Um, so you guys are, I mean, you guys describe it, but you have an outdoor indoor space. Uh, it, it feels like I'm in a brewery because I, I can see all the brewery equipment right there. What's your seating capacity? Like, give me, give me a little bit about your facility here. Yeah. So I guess, um, according to the fire marshal, we can seat 48 people inside. Um, so that's, that's our limit. And then outside, we boo, can definitely... fi- boo fire marshal. It's a brewery. Come on. <laughs> no, they're, they're cool people here in Portland. Yeah. I'm only kidding. But, but outdoors, we can seat about 60, and a lot of people tend to actually sit outside when it's nice weather, and they leave us all alone at the brewery. But, um, yeah, so we, we still have a pretty decent capacity as far as seating. Uh, I know we're probably one of the smaller breweries in town, but definitely um, have been dubbed the ice cream shop brewery by several people, um, mainly because we're not, I guess, I don't know, a warehouse, but we kind of are. But there's bright colors everywhere, so. No, it's definitely a different feel when you walk into this than what I'm used to walking into breweries. And the ice cream shop, you know, you just said it, but I didn't think about it until you said it. But that's that's actually a pretty good explanation. The colors, the different palette, uh, it almost feels like ice creamish. Well, if it actually gets worse when we do the slow pour pills in our Rastal Goblet Cups. And it's got the little foam on top, so it really looks like ice cream. Then, you, know what you know what? I'd be really curious is to have a coffee porter served with a serving of ice cream. It might be pretty tasty. Yeah, yeah. like an sure. old, like an old root beer float. You know? Yeah. It might be interesting. Here, yeah, here's an idea. Our son's actually talking about making this uh, French dessert. I forget what he called it, but yeah. it's got vanilla ice cream and espresso poured on top. I of think it. that's a. Is that an Italian one? Is that an, they call it an affogato? Yeah, actually, it yeah, it's yeah, Italian. Yeah, yeah, it's like affogato. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's the one. So mm-hmm. we're thinking of trying to do something like that with a Baltic Porter, maybe. Or yeah. I bet it will be a hit. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, speaking of ice cream, um, desserts, um, you, you had mentioned you wanted a bigger facility and you know probably put in a small organic kitchen. You didn't because you had to pivot. What do you have for food options? Um, apart from what may be around the area here, but... Do you bring in food options? How do people sit down and enjoy no, uh, a beer with some food? What do you, what do you have here? You can bring your own food. Uh, we on Saturdays we'll have a food truck. Okay. Uh, well, and we tend to rotate our food trucks. Uh, a few doors down, we got Marco's Pizza. You could order the pizza, and they'll bring it down. They'll bring it to you here. Um, yeah, they have some really great um, what I call chicken nugs, but <laughs> they're actually just I guess boneless chicken wings, but yeah. they're pretty gnarly. And their calzones are really good too. So. 
most people will come and have Marcos. The food trucks definitely will rotate them out every Saturday. We have Dozier's down the road, so shout out to the gym and his delicious food down at Dozier's Barbecue. I've tried Dozier's Barbecue. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah Jim's doing a great job down there for sure. Definitely go for the, the half chicken if you get a chance. Smoked chicken is amazing. Yeah, I've had it. I've had the half chicken before. It is pretty good. Um, well, that's good. I mean, so you can come here, you can get some beer, maybe, maybe an affogato style um, ice cream down the road, um, but some good food. Um, how about we jump into the beer? We have a, um, so we call this a, you have your own flight boards made. Um, I don't know if you want to give a shout out to the people that made your flight boards, um, but we're going to call this uh, the Texas Taproom Flight that we have in front of us. Yeah. And if anybody comes here, you can ask for the Texas Taproom Flight, and you'll get this selection of beer. So I'll let you guys take it away. You can give a shout-out to your – they're actually really cool-looking, uh, like, painter's palettes. Um, I think that's what they're called. Yeah, so we, we call it a, a flight palette here. So shout-out to Samara Table Co., Jenny and Davis, um, the owners. They created this for us. We had the – the idea and they executed flawlessly so it's a five vessel flight of five ounce pours uh you can either choose your own adventure or we could choose your adventure for you in this case uh this was a a collaborative flight board that we picked out between you know yourself and myself so yeah so the first one you've got in front of you is our our best selling and flagship core mexican amber lager which is gatos before vatos Gato, gatos before vatos. So I, I don't speak Spanish. Help me understand the meaning of that. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll let Melissa. <laughs> literally, that. just cats before dudes. Okay. Yeah, sisters before misters. Okay. Or the other one. Or the other before, one. Bros before. Uh, we got it. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> Family friendly show here. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, tell me about the beer. Tell me, uh, Melissa. Do you want to tell us about the beer? Why do people? Why is this your bestseller? Why do people like this one? Um, it's a really crispy beer. It's got a little bit of hints of like caramel, but it ends really, really crispy. Um, and it's got some bitterness to it too, like a Mexican uh, amber lager. My, mine people, ended already. <laughs> it's over. So, no. Yes, yeah, so a lot of good. people will come in and, you know, they're not really into craft beer. So I'll ask them if they like the Nigra Modelo. And if they say, yeah, then I let them taste this one and they end up liking it. Um, but it's just a really easy, approachable beer to drink. Uh, and we love loggers here, so. I think what really stands out for this beer specifically and resonates with our patrons is it's got a residual malty sweetness to it mm-hmm. that I think is it keeps them from wanting to keep sipping on it. Um, and that, that's what we've heard as far as feedback. Why? And another thing is the name. People just love that name for some reason. Um, I, I laughed at the name yeah. because I was like, there's there's something here, and I, I didn't know what it was. But now that you told me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we, we, we love cats. Uh, we have cats. So around the brewery, you'll see a few hidden cats um, in different places. <laughs> Not real cats, but stickers. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe real cats. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it, and, and uh, you may have seen me uh, give up on sipping it, yeah. and it's it's already gone. So I, I thought it was a great beer, uh, a great first addition to this uh, this flight board. And then uh, up next, you should have the number five on our menu, which is the Frosted Tips, nice. which is a full-bodied blonde ale as Melissa likes to describe it. Nothing against a blonde, you know, beer style, but it can be a little bit boring. So Melissa wanted to kind of church it up a little bit. So she gave it a little bit more body and a little bit more flavor. I'm just done tasting it. It's actually pretty tasty too. 
you know, I, I, people who follow the podcast know I'm a Canadian. I still play hockey and, and, uh, we like a good after hockey beer. And some people like the, the light lagers after a hockey because, you know, it's the same with any sport. You know, after you finish a sport, you just want something nice and refreshing. Um, some people stick with the light beers, the, the lagers, which are great after hockey beers. I like something, as you said, with a little bit of body. I still like a little bit of the flavor. I don't want to sacrifice that just because I want something nice and refreshing after hockey. I think this is a great, um, a great flavor beer. Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a fan favorite. We had some people call on the phone checking if it was back on tap, which is pretty funny because yeah. they wouldn't come back until it was We open. opened with that one, one barrel, uh, and it finished, I don't know, within like two two weeks or so. Yeah, that's pretty So, cool. yeah, people would come by, do you still have the, the, you know, the Frosted Tips? And they also love the name. <laughs> it's a fun yeah. name to say. Uh, and we didn't have it for, for a bit until, you know, the big system here. Um, but, yeah, it's still, still a fan favorite. Next one is our Audrey Forever, the cold IPA. And again, you'll see a little trend. Uh, it's got a crispy finish. Uh, so the cold IPA, it's a mixture like of a lager and a bun IPA. No like it is. Um, so it's easy to drink. It's still got the bitterness of West Coast. Super crispy beer. It is super crispy. Super clear. Oh, yeah. It's golden, brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely got the the body of an IPA, but with the drinkability of a lager. Um, super crispy and refreshing, uh, but still very dangerous at 7.8. It, you know, it it, it uh, does, and once again, if people follow this podcast, they know I, I'm not a huge fan of IPAs, uh, but I have said over the, you know, I'll, I'll call it the last 10 years as, as I've aged, um, I've, I've gotten more of an appreciation for uh, different flavored beers, including IPAs. Um, and this one is actually, you know, like the ones I've tasted before, a, a very, like it's an excellent IPA, very clear, crisp, uh, great flavor. Um, I was drinking a beer the other night. Uh, it was a new one actually from Eighth Wonder called Sabotage. And um, it's it's a, one of their new um, uh, stouts. And I was just enjoying a couple and uh, didn't, uh, and I was like, man, I'm starting to feel this beer, right? <laughs> And I was like, but I've only had a few, right? And then I looked at the can, uh, and I feel like, I think it was like 8.8%. And so it, just, it starts to bite you <laughs> faster than you think, which is probably much like this one. This is 7, 8, 7, 8 uh, there. It's going to hit you if you're not careful. Yeah, when you get that alcoholic heat in the beer, and it's got, you know, high octane like that, you know it's a well-made beer because, you know, if you have to look at the can to realize that, I mean, they must have done an excellent job over at 18 or so. That's almost how you can tell a good beer is when you don't, as you said, you don't recognize it, right? It's a well-made beer. And the same with this one. I would never have said, you know, it's uh, just just a great all-around IPA. Yeah. The people who come in that say they don't like IPAs, we have them taste this one and they end up, you know, getting the pint of that one. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Let's go over the, let's go over the next one. Um, what do we got there? We got the Midnight Zoomies. Yes, Zoomies? Zoomies, am I pronouncing that correct? Yes. Yeah, inspired by our cat. Yet again, the cats strike again. So <laughs> when they're running around wrestling with each other at 2 a.m., you know, it stirs up a little low inspiration for, for some name creation and creativity in that aspect. So uh, we paid homage to our cats, disrupting our sleep on a regular basis by naming this beer after their activities. I like it. I like it. Just sipping here. I'm, I'm sorry there was a pause there, but I was just drinking this one, <laughs> giving it a taste. 
Uh, but tell us about the flavor. Tell us about the, the flavor notes in there. I don't know who's a. I don't know if you're you're just a brewer, Melissa, and and you're the taster, or or do you brew them and taste them? I'm or the chief you? drinking officer, so uh, <laughs> my job is to taste all the beers. But definitely, Melissa is the one that makes the calls on on where the beers are and where they should be and all that yeah, science so stuff. The uh, the stout there, Midnight Zoomies, it's. Um, it's got a light rose, got some chocolate notes to it, a little bit of the coffee notes as well. Yeah, I was uh, tasting just, that. You know, just your stout, straight out stout, no, nothing crazy to it. Well, I, what I like about this stout is that it's got like big body, big mouthfeel at yes, 6.7%. So to me, it drinks like you're drinking chocolate milk, mm-hmm. but it's obviously not chocolate milk. No. But it drinks like it. So I don't know what else to say other than I enjoyed it. You know, yeah. It was great, great beer. And let's hit num- <laughs> let's hit the last one here, yes. which is uh, oh Project Haler Brewing with Misfit Outpost. Yeah. Is this is this a shout out to the uh, Misfit Outpost up in uh, Cyprus? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So okay. yeah, our friends. Shout out to Juan and Sarah. Um, so good friends of ours. We had been kind of joking around for for bits in summer about making a Black Triple IPA because it hadn't really been done often. So. Uh, we had some other names that shall remain off the, the podcast because they were too funny <laughs> for the podcast. But um, we eventually just said, why not do this fun beer and let's let's do it together and let's make it on Halloween. So we ended up brewing this on Halloween and yeah. released it for Black Friday, which was appropriate because it's a black triple IPA. And we just love Cascading Dark Hills from being up in Washington State and the Northwest, being exposed to all that good stuff up there. So um, we, we like to see breweries make these more often. Not necessarily a triple. They can if they want to, but just black IPAs in general. Uh, there are some good ones that are in town now, and we're excited to see those kind of making a resurgence again. So, you know, I I would not have classified this as an. You know, I I have an unsophisticated palate. Okay, let's just get that out there too. But I would not have classified this as an as a as an IPA. Yeah. So not not only just an IPA, but a triple IPA. Like I've had double IPAs before, and this one tastes this one tastes different. And it's actually extremely, extremely drinkable. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah at so 10% it's, alcohol. Yes, at 10%. You guys, what are you doing to me here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this one's, you know, lightly roasted again. Um, and when you look at it, you think you're going to get something super roasty because it's, I mean, it's black, black beer there. Uh, but then you smell it, you get the tropical aromas of, of the hops. Uh, then you taste it, you get the same. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's a smooth beer. Yeah, they knocked it out of the park. Juan and Melissa kind of came down and, and worked on the recipe together. And, and the big goal for the, the black IPA style as a whole is to have it taste like an American IPA, but without the astringency of a big dark beer like a porter or like a stout and something like that. So I think they did a great job on that. So is, is, so help me understand, is, is this their recipe? Is this one you can get at their uh, facility as well? No, it was a joint recipe that they did. Like Melissa and Juan worked on it together. Okay. Um, yeah, so they, they worked on this together, and, and they we brewed it here at, at Project Halo, but yeah, it's 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 half theirs and half ours, I guess, if you want to break it down, 50-50 split down the middle. Yeah, but for so. now, it's it's just here. Okay. You know, the one thing I've noticed in, in talking to you guys, and as well as talking to all the other brewers that I've met, this community is a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they tend to work together tend to share ideas, tend, you know, it's, it's a very amiable community where they all come together. It's not like a competition amongst different brewers, you know, yeah. it's, 
it's just it's almost like a family in a way. Yes, we were planning planning this out. We talked to a lot of different uh, owners, brewers, people who worked at breweries around the area, and everyone was everyone was very friendly, open book. Uh, even to this day, still ask for advice here and there, and everyone's really helpful. Yeah, it is beer after all, so I don't think everyone takes it too seriously. That's true. That is true. <laughs> well, look, um, so guys, let's uh, just review those beers one more time. This is what we're calling the Texas Taproom Flight, and you can come in here. Um, and Sorry, we, you call it a flight, but you call it a pallet, right? We call it a flight yeah. pallet because it's a, a flight pallet. Flight board, so. Okay, it is a really cool uh, flight board, uh, very unique. I've never seen these before. Most of them are, you know, the typical ones you'll see. This one, uh, very unique. I never saw it before. Very cool. But let's uh, let's call this the Texas Taproom Flight Board. And if you want to come in here to Project Halo and get this, just come in and ask uh, Melissa or, or Steve or whoever's here for the Texas Taproom Flight. And it is. Let's go over it one more time. Gatos before Vados. It's the Frosted Tips. And you guys correct me if I'm getting these wrong. Uh, Audrey Forever. The Disco Demon, well, that's actually the fifth one, and the Midnight Zoomies. All all great beers, great selection. Uh, you might need to plan an Uber um, <laughs> after you're done drinking this one. Or get a pizza. And or get a pizza, relax, yeah. let the yeah, buzz wear off. Or, or your designated driver. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, so sorry for the musical chairs with the with the numbers, but there's a very specific way we like to lay out flight boards. So in, in order of, of progressive uh, flavor profiles, um, so that's what we organize them in a specific way. We don't want to – but we want your palate to hit the beer as best as possible without it being influenced by a previous beer just because of the number sequence. So. Very cool. I'm not, I'm not a painter, but I would imagine that's how a painter lays out their, their uh, paint boards as well. Yeah. Right? Okay, so you mentioned – um, about canning and, and uh, getting your beer in cans and stuff. T- tell me about that. Where are you distributing right now? Are you canning? Do you have a canning line? Like, where where can people find your beers? Yeah, Out- so, outside of the tap room. I yeah, mean. so we're, we're doing self-distribution, so you won't find us in any HEBs or Kroger's yet. Um, um, mainly because we want to be in control of, of the quality of the product and all that good stuff. So we're actually just kind of reaching out to places that we know that take care of their lines and kind of have a good reputation in that aspect. And then asking them if they want to taste our beers and if they want, you know, to put our beer on tap, then that's cool too. So you can find us at some places in Houston, like, uh, so we're at Big Owl Craft House, we're at Star Sailor, we're at Cobble and Spoke. Uh, we're working on a couple other places. We just got into second draft last week as well uh, at the Ion, which is a gorgeous new building in Houston. And then on the west side, closer to home here, we're at Growler Spot, we're at Regal's Barbecue, we're at Turmeric near Costco, and then we're also at Corner 99 and Rosati's on the west side here. So very slowly expanding our footprint. We've got about, you know, eight other locations that have our stuff online, and we're going to have um, at Crafted Kitchen and Taps on the new year, we're going to have our beers there and also uh, Anthony's Market Grill in Simonton as well in January. So just slowly kind of developing all those accounts, uh, but making sure that it's places that have a good reputation in the industry for having clean lines and or if we have to clean our lines, that's cool too. Um, but no HEBs, no stuff like that. But we do have four packs to go here in the tap room only. Um, we're not pushing out any, any cans anywhere just yet, uh, just because, like we said, we want to make sure that the quality is there and we can control the quality 
um, get the reputation of being a, a high quality establishment before we start pushing out uh, a larger scale of, of distro. So. Okay, good. So you can find basically you're you're growing at your distributorship. You'll find it in a lot of places. Uh, don't be surprised it's, if it's going to be in a in a, a bar or a restaurant that you're visiting. But but do go ahead and ask for that because it, it might be there. Uh, and you said you're canning and but only available here in the tap room. That's right. What what beers do you do you put everything in cans or do you only have a select line in cans? So we do only our core beers plus special releases. So our core beers would be the Piñata Party, Pilsner, the Gatos Before Vatos Mexican Amber Lager. We have a cold IPA called Frida Forever, which will be out in the new year. That's our core cold IPA. Then we have our Blonde, which is the Frosted Tips. And then we also have Hop and Pop, our American IPA that will always be in cans. And then we'll have one-offs, for example, like... Uh, our collab with Misfit Outpost, Disco Demon, we have that in cans, and then we'll just kind of selectively pick what's going to go in cans after that. And then also our barrel-age product line will be in bottles, so they'll be in 750s for sure coming out whenever they're ready to come out. So, Okay, good. So you, so those are all your mainstays. Uh, they'll be on tap as well as in, in cans available right here. Yep. Um, can, people, can people take growlers to go? So we do cr- twisty um, crowlers, which are a little bit different. They're a 25-ounce twistable can-type crowler that we feel is much more functional for us. Uh, we don't have to deal with having a seamer and it breaking all the time. And they also do a really good job of maintaining the carbonation, not only on the day that you decide to drink the beer, but also the next day if you kind of just open up, pour out a beer, and close it back up. Usually they're pretty good for the next day as well. And we've done some QA with them at the house and just kind of let them sit in the fridge for about three weeks in there still as carbonated as it were when they came out of the faucet so um we do that instead and you can pretty much take most beers not all of them so some of the one-off kegs we don't really serve up in in crawlers but uh growlers themselves we don't do just because again going back to that quality control management and, and being able to take care of that uh i think on day one someone came in with a super dirty growler that had like old stout in it and wanted us to pour a, a light beer into it which we <laughs> kind of declined on that, so um, so that's the reason why. So, well, you don't want somebody walking away with a, a bad taste in their mouth, so to speak. Yeah. Well, uh, it, you know, so you got to you got to control your quality, not just what you deliver, but what people take home as well. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't really be bothered, but it's really when people take to you know the untapped army goes on there and just kind of sure puts things on there, and so we just kind of try to mitigate that as best as we can. So, okay, guys, so. Uh, Look, give us give us the final sales pitch. Uh, what do you got? Any upcoming new releases? Any new beers coming out? Any new events? Now we're recording this on a Saturday. Uh, I know you got a you've got a, a a World Cup watch party tomorrow, which we'll we'll feature um, on our Instagram page. Uh, the episode is not going to release until after that. So, um, but what do you got coming up? Any new releases? Any new beers? Any new social events? What, what's coming up? Yeah, so I guess a big one, like you said, is a World Cup event tomorrow morning. But uh, beyond that, I guess just a, a disclaimer, we will be closed on the 24th and 25th to observe the holidays. We've got a month so, club for yeah. 2023. Yeah, so the, that's yeah, the big next one is we still have limited seats for our mug club. So it's a $200 entry fee, but that gets you a T-shirt, a challenge coin, which is military tradition. So basically the way that works is we all carry around our, our, our challenge coins. And if we show up to the brewery, you see someone else with the mug club drinking, you present your challenge coin, you challenge them to see their coin. If they don't have it, then 
they're buying your beer. Oh, but, I like it. I like but it. But if they do <laughs> pull out their coin, then you're buying their beer. You're buy- okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a little bit fun, you know, something different inside of the brewery from just having the mug club. But you do get a 21-ounce mug for the price of a pint every time you come in. Year-round, you get 15% off all beers to go, including our twisty crawlers and our four-packs to go. And then you also get one free bottle of our barrel-age releases throughout the year. And then every quarter we'll have a mug club members only party. So that'll be on any given designated day. We'll, we'll pick a, a Saturday, 6 to 10, where it's mug, mug club members only. I'll sit in here and have a good time and just kind of hang out and get to know each other, us mug club members, a little bit better. And, yeah, it's it's really not not, not too crazy, um, but definitely will be fun. So I think that's a pretty awesome idea, the mug club. Uh, how many members are in the mug club? So we have 50 spots available, and we're well past halfway. Enrollment will end on the 7th of January, or if the slots are filled up prior to. Um, so we want to keep it kind of small uh, for our mug club, but definitely uh, something exciting. It'll set you apart from the rest of the patrons here. So Yeah, and uh, regarding beers, we do have some beers in barrels, and we will have some more next month. Uh, then we have some loggers lagering in our lagering tanks. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we, we have a few more beers coming out. And we'll keep coming. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I forgot to mention for for New Year's Eve, we'll celebrate and bring in the New Year uh, at 9 p.m. So Brazilian style, Rio de Janeiro type, you know, bringing in the New Year at, at 9 local time in the p.m. And then we'll be releasing our Veterans Day brew, which is a pale ale with oats that day as well, too. Oh, nice. So uh, proceeds of that will be going to the Green Beret Foundation as well. So if you're into drinking for charity, definitely come in and, and sip on a couple of the the beer called spicy memes that's uh that's a couple of um um good initiatives you got going there uh let me ask you this uh, the new year's you said new year's eve right yep. uh is that uh something that people need to buy advanced tickets to or is that is that just show up and and i and i'm only saying that because i have reservations <laughs> we you know we're, we tend to go out early and avoid most of the traffic and we're going out at five now, there's going to have to be uh, an, an after party. And so um, do you have to buy advanced tickets to this or can we just show up? Nope. It's open to the public. No advance notice required. Mm-hmm. Come 9 p.m. we will celebrate the real De Janeiro New Year <laughs> and we will all hug each other, you know, with consent, of course, and <laughs> have a good time. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, there was something that you, you just mentioned and... What was it? You just you just mentioned it, and it prompted me to ask you a question about it. Was it the uh, Veterans Day Brew Day? Not that one. No. Nope. Any beers? Club? The Bears? It wasn't the Bears. Lockers? No, it was something uh, else. Club. New Year's Eve. You know, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I forgot it already. No big deal. Okay, well, uh, and, and so guys, you've got a lot of options to come here. You've got the uh, the Mug Club. All the things that come along with the Mug Club, um, you know, one of the things that we were shooting for on this podcast was to bring back the $5 pint. Because the $5 pint, as you mentioned, you struggle with inflation and those inflationary pressures which drive the cost of things up, right? Um, but the $5 pint is gone. But in its place, why don't we just give the $7 pint, but... But make the pint bigger. So I like that idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. You said it was what, a 20-ounce? Uh, yeah, so we, we will have a 21-ounce uh, Frankfurter-style mug. Okay, so, so see, there you go. 
we were looking to bring back the five dollar pint but what we're going to do instead is we're going to keep the price the same but we're going to increase the amount of beer there you go for mug club members only though. for mug club <laughs> members only so come in here get your mug club uh membership how do they get that membership by the way so they just come into the tap room and tell us that they want to join the mug club and we will enroll them on the spot Okay, enrollment uh, on the spot, $200, I thought. $200, yeah. yeah. And with that, you get all those things you just mentioned. Okay, that's great. Okay, guys, so look, this is meant, this show, once again, is meant to be a sneak preview. Uh, We love to have you come visit uh, Project Halo. It's out in Fulcher, about 20, 30 minutes west of Houston, past the Burbs, although it's now becoming the Burbs, but Fulcher is a great spot to visit. It's fairly accessible from I 10. Or 1093, which is an extension of uh, West Park Tollway. Very easy to get here. Um, so thanks, Melissa and Steve, for having us. Uh, guys, we're once again going to be bringing uh, some exciting things to you. Texas Taproom swag. Uh, so give us a follow if you like our podcast. Give us a five-star review. Turn on your notifications. Tell your friends. And please join us as we travel to Lone Star State fermenting your interest in breweries and craft beer on Texas Taprooms.